It's good to see you, Hefe. Good to be back. How does it feel? Groovy. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Cult Following, Phoenix's leading alternative film podcast brought to you by the people who bring you Cult Classics AZ every month in Tempe, Arizona. Check us out, usually the second Saturday every month. Uh, If you're lucky enough to be near a computer this week, make sure to get tickets for Labyrinth on February 13th. They're going fast. And you can always check out Jump Cut, one of our new projects with Killer Clowns from Outer Space, February 29th. I'm one of your three hosts, Victor Marino, along with Adam Rakowski. Meow! And Kirby Nelson. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the best of 2015, as seen through our particular lens of insight, of film and genre knowledge. We've all got a lot of important lists, so we're pretty much going to just hop right into the fire. So, if you're excited, check out our list. Let us know what you're thinking about by responding to us on Facebook at Cult Classics AZ or on cultfollowing.co. So, let's get started. Kirby, do you want to kick us off or Adam? I always think Adam has has such interestingly articulated lists, so I'm going to let Adam go first. Far from formulaic. Well, first of all, it was very difficult. Uh, to make a list again this year and i thought this year was kind of a dud year uh as we were going through but after talking to a few people i think it was more so that um the uh the year was really spread out weird like there was there was a time where you would say okay friday is coming up what movie are we gonna go see and there's usually something that you wanted to see i know i've been i've been trying to have that conversation a lot lately and it's a lot of things I'm not interested in. It yeah, either like. you're not interested in it, or really there's just nothing, well, yeah, nothing good coming out. Uh, but then, you know, when you start making the list, and you try to narrow it down, you're like, holy crap, there's like all this really like good stuff. Uh, boy, oh boy. And this number five, well, number six, I guess, we're going to do a, a top five and then our top, 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 a top that trumps all the five. This was very hard to put together. This is like sleepless nights. This is uh, being up late, making the list. The list. And this the number five is a late, late entry. It's The Revenant. Anyone? Anyone? I still have not seen this movie. I've, me- <clears throat> I've meant to watch it like three or four times and I just haven't gone yeah. around to it yet. Curbs? Actually, I saw it last night, actually. And uh, and actually, as my late entry to try to see if I wanted to put into the top ten, uh-huh. and so it was, um, you know, when it was in limited release, obviously couldn't go see it, so I was interested in it. Um, I was actually not a big fan of Birdman, so mm-hmm. I didn't go in with any hopes for the director. Oh, I but, forgot that that was the director. Yeah, there, so. but the, uh, I mean, the two things I can say without a doubt: if you're looking for a a more beautifully shot film this year or last year or whatever, you're not going to find it. It's, it is gorgeous. It, it's probably some of the best cinematography I've ever seen, especially since it was shot in natural light. 
Um, so that was probably the number one thing I took away from it, above mm-hmm. all else. Just- yeah, and I think the only the only connection that I can see with the director and the stuff that he's done previously is just the uh, the real long one shots. Oh, huge tracking shots. But as I I was beginning to watch the film, and I'm not a really really big on uh, Leo DiCaprio, uh, especially when they they talk about him uh, winning awards and. Uh, you know, is he going to win like you know, best actor this I, time I around like or whatever? Leonardo DiCaprio, but I don't think any of the movies that I really liked him in, he should have won best Oscar for. Sure, and I and and he's like a solid actor, is what right. I'm saying. But there's he to me, he's like you know, like Tom Hanks gets nominated for has won best actor a bunch of times, mm-hmm. and he's a really good actor. I don't think he should have won an Academy Award for Forrest Gump, you know. Or Bradley Cooper is one has been nominated the last three years, and I don't think he should have been nominated for any of those roles. Sure, you know that's well, my he's take. A, he's a face, most. Yeah, he's most a face. That, yeah. I I feel like he's a fairly decent actor, but for the most part, like like I would put Bradley Cooper and Leonardo DiCaprio in the same kind of thing. Like, oh, he'll probably do a good job. Right. Yeah. And that's how I kind of went into it. But the the thing that really got me, like Kirby said, it is the most gorgeous film I saw all year. The, 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 what I kept thinking about the whole time that I was watching it is you could take a still from any second, I swear, or any frame from that film from beginning to end and blow it up and put it on a canvas and hang it on your wall. There is not one single frame other than I suppose the credits you probably wouldn't want to like stick on your wall. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. I feel like, you know, Alexander Inaradu, like, all of his movies are kind of like that. You could take pretty much any shot from Birdman and do the same thing. Yeah, but this... Or Amores Perros, you know? Yeah, but this is I, this is just above and beyond. It's so gorgeous. Uh, I, I'm really interested to see this, because just, like, the trailer when I saw it, it looked like... To me, it looked totally color-graded. Maybe it's just lingering shots or something. Because it looks just very gray to me. Well, it is because it's all just it's snow and they're yeah. up in the mountains and that's just and it's misty. Yeah, and there's not like a lot of color in it. Yeah, but well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's like gorgeous. Just, yeah, it feels like you know so many movies because we watched uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou over the weekend uh-huh. and it's one of my favorite movies and everybody knows it's because that's the one that like color grading was developed for that movie specifically to make it look like you know make the grays look grayer and make it look more like an old like photo. Mm-hmm. And they do that to like every new movie now to the point where it's like becoming less special. Right. Yeah, no, I think this film, far as I've read on the cinematography, you know, that they just went to great lengths to ensure that it was um, you know, cinematography and stuff. I mean, there's some great set pieces in this film, but for the most part it's all just nature. I mean, mm. there's there's no real thing and I mean I looked up the film, I mean, you know, it's got some decent star power obviously but i mean i think it was like 135 million to make wow so you're sitting there going like yeah but this doesn't feel like and then i'm realizing i can't say for sure but i guess it's because they can only shoot on certain days i'm sure this took forever oh, yeah. to make this yeah film. If they're using natural light yeah and using natural light so it took a long time to get a lot of shots but um the film itself like i didn't know the story very well um uh, of the character Leonardo DiCaprio plays because it is based on true events and based on a book. But I will say it was a little long. It was, I mean, it could have trimmed the fat substantially. Yeah. And it still would have been as good of a movie. I mean, at least 30 minutes could have been cut out. 
and the the journey because that's what this is about the journey mm -hmm. not the destination still would have had the same impact it had on me um i felt like they just got a little overreaching in some spots um but other than that it was a great film yeah, really, I, couldn't, really good. I couldn't take my eyeballs off mm -hmm. it i i thought it was a great great length and most of the time i can i complain about length if it, yeah. if nothing is really <laughs> happening but like i said every frame in that movie you could you could hang on the wall uh number four kingsman the secret service mm -hmm. can't forget kingsman such a joy to watch so much fun uh it, it, it yeah everything about it just just not to jump in too much but like i'm really surprised at how few lists i've seen that movie on i think it's one of those things that's falling because it's so early in the year that people oh, yeah. forgot about it. I almost forgot about it. Yeah. It was one where I saw the trailer and no interest at all. And it ended up also, you know, being one of my favorite films. And I was just, I mean, on so many levels, it's probably one of the funniest films I saw this year, but oh, yeah. so unbelievably clever yep. and dark too. It had a very, for as yeah. glossy and making fun of the genre as it was. I mean, the undercore of, of uh, the diabolical plan um, especially um, without spoiling anything who hasn't seen it, the church scene. Yeah, I mean, is unbelievable. Like I just, just that scene alone should get it on the list. Yeah, it was it all, great to me. I think it also has like the honor of being the best comic book movie that came out this year by a long shot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing I can definitely say. Yeah, there really isn't a lot of comic book movies anymore you're going to see on my lists or in any of the lists to come. And I go, and that it used to be. You know, you talked about going and seeing a big movie on a friday or a big movie in general it used to be comic book movies for me and now i i just rarely ever yeah. even care i don't even go see most of them opening weekend so kind of interesting that yeah this kind of underdog really won out mm -hmm. and then a, a really 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 last minute like when we were just talking pre-show and i then i crossed it out and, and replaced it with something else i have for my number three crimson peak yep another just gorgeous film uh, completely underrated and completely mismarketed as a, a ghost horror movie, movie. Horror movie yeah. um, which Edith does say in the film, this story is not about ghosts. It just happens to have ghosts in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that perspective, it's, it's just, it's just beautiful. Uh, we saw it in, in IMAX, which made it even. Yeah, we did too. I, I, uh, and I've seen a few films in IMAX, but that one actually was. Uh, in the correct ratio, so it filled up the whole screen the entire time, um, and the color palette was gorgeous, uh, and the blood was. I mean, I mean, when when it's called Crimson Peak, it is crimson. It's not just red. It's it's crimson. Yeah. Uh, which really appreciate. Number two is my mockumentary, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh yeah. Werewolves, not swearwolves. I I can't get enough of that movie. I watch it periodically. And just chuckle to myself. And uh, uh, my top two, I kept going back and forth and back and forth. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens was beat out by Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. So wow. Fury Road is my number one of last year. Star Wars Episode Seven came just right under that. Anyone shocked and surprised? Actually, I am. That really, I, I, I figured I that figured, was battling. I, I figured those two, those would be your top. Two. Oh, I knew it was going to be right. your top two. I just didn't know which one was going to win. I really didn't. I I think Mad Max is overall. Which more one of a have you solid... seen more times at this point? 
Well, because Star Wars isn't available. Yeah. For home viewing, you know, I've seen Mad Max more times. Yeah. And I have more time to digest it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a factor. Also, just overall, the the Mad Max movie is uh, just, it's more solid from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, Without really raising any any kind of questions about some things or feeling like it's, you know... Maybe rehashing some some old ideas. I think for Star Wars, it was the big Star Killer base that was like the next Death Star. Yeah, that was kind of its detriment a little bit. That's that's pretty um, much why I didn't make my list, just because I I felt it was very like revisiting a lot. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. And there there were callbacks, and even Mad Max had callbacks, and not you know the whole thing wasn't. Um, I don't think completely original, but it took the best elements and made it its own story mm-hmm. and its own landscape. Uh, and you had Furiosa, just like you had Ray in Star Wars, like real strong female characters. I, you know, and I can confidently say <coughs> that it was the, you know, the year of the female in 2015. Just so many great examples of uh, strong female leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what I had for films. I'm gonna leave it there. Who's next? Well, why uh, delve into shows? Well, no, no, let's just do okay. It's no there. problem. All right, for mine, I uh, I went pretty <laughs> traditional here with uh, the top ten. Excuse me. So I'll leave <laughs> off anything. Yeah, at- there's a microphone right there. Yeah, anything sorry, that- I had my allergies flaring up for a second. Uh, I'll leave off obviously what Adam said. I mean, I'll mention it, but obviously not delve into it. But I'll start at the bottom here, and um, I'm leaving off shows. I um. I will say that originally one of my top tiles was a show, but the more I evaluate it, I, I think I'm going to leave it in television as opposed to film. Um, it's it's kind of hard to debate there, but I'll start at the bottom of the list, and mine is um, anyone who knows me knows I love an anthology, and Tales of Halloween was definitely um, a great anthology. Not perfect, definitely not up to the par of a lot of films, but... Something I had just a, a huge amount of fun watching was was that film. Um, got to see it theatrically, and it it just it, not every store was a hundred percent perfect, but there no one's gonna make Creep Show, no one's gonna make a lot of these films anymore. But uh, for horror anthologies, I mean, there's there's a resurgence in the genre um, that I think got kickstarted with Trick or Treat, and I think with um, you know. Whatever this oh, ABC's this death. version of yeah ABC's a yeah. death VHS um, there's a lot of stuff and now they're gonna reboot Tales from the Crypt um, and I I just I love anthology because I think horror always my favorite author is H P Lovecraft I think the a lot of the best horror stories are short stories I think a lot of horror films would be better if they were shorter instead of trying and it's not because I have a you know loud fast rules kind of mentality I just think that um that films just work well a lot of times you know it tells the story gets right to the point well, that, that's why i like masters of horror yeah masters of horror was mm-hmm. great um all three seasons including the unofficial third the fear itself um love them all so definitely some good things um number nine for me um was another one i'm, I'm glad i got to see in the theater because it just blew me away completely was um we are still here um if you you know it's you know it's kind of also in the vein here of some predecessors like uh starry eyes house of the devil stuff that's come out within the last few years it's just i um 
I just couldn't believe it watching it. It was not all what I expected. I really did expect kind of a ghost story. And it is a ghost story with the most gore I think I've seen in a theatrical film in forever. <laughs> like, And brilliant gore. Lots of lots of fun. Is that the Barbara Crampton? It is. Barbara okay. Crampton. And she's great. And everyone, it's got a gr- lot of humor. Um, and then it's genuinely sad and harrowing. I, I'm, but I loved, without giving away, of course, the twist in it is... Um, one I really, really enjoyed. So, um, moving on here, uh, could definitely, I, I, I'm putting these in kind of an arbitrary order because I really can't say one above the other, but I definitely, my list had to have Turbo Kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I grew up riding BMX. I, I dreamed probably sometimes as a kid or as a teenager of like an apocalyptic wasteland being on bikes. Um, so for me, it was, it was kind of a, it was definitely a no brainer, but I actually thought it was fun. I mean, I think in the post grindhouse world of, you know, like Hobo with a shotgun machete and a lot of the other films that have come out, like I thought turbo kid did it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and was really actually funny and, and sweet. And of course, yeah, it had, the, it had an element of innocence to it, which I yeah. really appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I, there's some things in it, because I, I do worry with certain films that they're kind of like, you wonder if it's an homage, like, I know it's heartfelt, but then I kind of worry, like, the whole, this is my gnome stick thing, like, mm-hmm. it feels kind of like, ah, we just inserted that, but, you know, for, like, oh, hey, but it really, it just was good, and then Michael Ironside, I mean, what else oh, yeah. do you really need to add to say yeah. yes? John Saxon? Yeah, and John's, you know, you, you know it's <laughs> throw like, him in there. That's all you need. Yeah, on that's top true. Of, uh, Michael Ironside. But um, yeah. Uh, of course, I had to put Mad Max Fury Road on my list. Uh, one of the only films I can definitely say um on this list that the second it ended, I wanted to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I mean, almost as soon as the theater cl- like stopped, I wanted to watch it again. Um, really, really glad. Got to see that theatrically, of course. Um, amazing film. Um, I do have Kingsman on my list as well, um, and I already spoke on that, but the kind of split one, and this came at Victor's recommendation um, to that on the kind of companion piece, is Spy, which oh. I have not laughed harder at a film this year probably than Spy. Um, it's very funny. It is very, very funny um, and very smart. And truly, like, when people talk about a lot of, like, social commentary in films, like, this is definitely one of the better ones that I don't think people are mentioning. Um, so, you know, definitely, I, I recently rewatched it and it still made me laugh really hard. It wasn't, you know, it's never as funny, but I found little things in it down the line. And I mm-hmm. still, that initial, you know, rush, I just loved it. The thing that's funny to me is I talked really early in the year about how, like, Melissa McCarthy was making these terrible movies that were just, like, playing into, like, I'm a fat goob kind of stereotype. And Spy came along not too long after I said that and kind of just, like, you know, it showed that she wasn't just trying to be a Kevin James, like, I can keep making money while just acting like a fat asshole kind of thing. And it's, like, it very much subverts that whole, this is what we expect from you because of your image thing. And it's a really smart movie. And it helps that, like, uh, you know, Paul Feig is just a very good producer and director and writer, and he surrounds her with, like, solid people, especially Jason Statham. Yeah, I was just going to say. He just kind of, like, you know, took a part that you would expect, like, somebody like The Rock to do and just, like, (laughs) I'm just going to be charming. And Jason Statham's like, I'm going to play this guy like he's fucking insane. (laughs) 
Like my favorite line in that it's like, I know you guys have a face off machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally I mean, he 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 just completely balls to the walls at the whole film. Like he just never lets up. Even when he knows he's totally wrong. Um, he's I mean, it's just one of those ones. It's such a great supporting cast. Everybody is genuinely funny in it. Um, and it just Every time you think it's just going to, you know, what's going to happen and stuff, it, it, you know, without being like a typical spy movie, I mean, it has to be at least a little bit, mm-hmm. but then it, it kind of goes off in like its own direction. So, um, I, uh, definitely have a couple, I had some documentaries here. The one I'm going to leave on here, cause the other one I'm going to consider a television show for me is, um, I mentioned it on this podcast and I have, it's one of two documentaries that I have never gotten so angry after watching um in a long long time and that is a documentary called divorce corp c-o-r-p like corporation um and it's basically an examination of family law and the uh family law court system i mean if you want to actually really watch something hard hitting too um that you know if you have an interest in law or crime and anything or just you're thinking about getting divorced or having children or anything of the like um, really eye-opening. That's, I mean, I really, like, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I wavered on leaving on the list, but I really wanted to go with that gut punch it gave me. So, oh, sure. um, speaking of another beautiful film, especially made for how it was made, um, I had to put on my list was, um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Um, absolutely haunting. Um, classically beautiful. Um, great score. Great acting. Um, if you, I, I think I mentioned, if you love um, George Romero's Martin, it's basically a loving homage to it. I mean, out of all the films, even some of the other kind of um, what you would consider like alternate vampire kind of movies, um, but just one of those films you just watch it and you're just kind yeah, of entranced. That's that's one that's on my Netflix queue, and it has been for quite a while. And one of the things that I've I've noticed is with Netflix, if I have something in the queue, I'm less likely to start watching it True. until maybe it says available only until February 1st. Yeah. And I'm yep. like, oh, oh shit, I, I don't really watch add things to my queue anymore. If I see something that looks interesting, I just try to watch it and then it's like continue watching. Yeah. It tends to be my. You know, that's mean. what I probably should do. Yeah. Because yeah. then I just forget about it, or I just don't feel like it's a priority. Because well, it's just it's just sitting right there, and that's one that I I do have to see. It is surprising how much good stuff actually is on Netflix. I think that's why I have a hard time. It's because I'll end up watching stuff, but I I've really tried to slow yeah. down on the queue thing. I what try I, to keep it my list. And what I what to me the funniest thing is I feel like if Hulu had a better interface, so many more people would be on that because oh, sure. they're oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulu's. Mm-hmm like depth of films that they have like completely eclipses netflix oh sure but you have to know what you're looking for it's not like at all like here's our no and now they get like films that like netflix doesn't even get at all like you know interstellar Mm -hmm. like i watched that on there not too long ago i'm like man this is like a really good movie if this had been on netflix i probably never would have watched it well they even have like riff track stuff on there. yeah Yeah, they have all, all like for a while they had all the MST three K. You know, it's mm-hmm. like one I've also been surprised by, also with a horrible interface or not as good as um Amazon Prime. Yeah, surprisingly has especially for television. A lot of shows I've wanted to watch are all on Prime, 
Um, some of the stuff's gone now, but I mean, it was great. Like I remember wanting to watch a lot of, I only have some bootleg discs of, are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. And they had the whole series in like, well, like HD basically. Yeah. Not to throw this, you know, cause I'll, I'll get to my stuff in a second, but it's yeah. like, um, I didn't even real cause yesterday I was like, they were doing like a showtime free preview weekend. I'm like, Oh, okay. How do you find it? And then there's a network section, right? So you're scrolling down. And then I'm like, anchor bay is on here i click on that <laughs> and they have all of masters of horror on there <laughs> and i'm like what you know and there's all and it's like you know they have like a uh, grindhouse so they have like every lucio like to the point where i'm like why do i even still have shutter they have more horror movies than shutter does yeah counting the criterion collection i'm kind of like you know i like shutter i don't want to get down on that but i'm like they need to add stuff more often yeah what i've heard from a lot of people um so yeah just wrapping it up here out of my list and stuff um probably at the beginning of the year in the first quarter i was pretty much dead set that this film was going to be my number one of the year and upon rewatching, i it needs to be in the top 10 i'm still in love with it but just i can't make it number one and that's it follows mm-hmm. and i really really enjoyed it um but it in uh, the score visually i think it's great i mean i it's just so wonderful to have independent horror back on top like something that's not a remake or reimagining but it's actually just an original idea and it, it i saw it three times theatrically and i loved it every time but it's one of those ones where uh there's things about it and i mentioned in my review that's up on cultfalling.co that you know it definitely has its weak points um but it's just still fantastic film, and um, so no, and, I, and I really liked that one too. Yeah, I mean, I you know I know Victor, you really liked that one too. Mm-hmm. But you said you kind of said the same thing. I think last uh, podcast or a couple of them back that it doesn't it doesn't it you liked it initially and for a while. Um, kind of. I mean, there's definitely like the little flaws in it. Do kind of become more glaring the more you see it but you know it's not overshadowed completely yeah. no i still think it's a really good yeah. movie and i think it's going to stand the test of time um oh yeah no i definitely agree with like that. one of those things that you pop up you know, it's like oh i haven't watched it follows in a long time and you're watching like i fell in love with this movie again yeah. it seems like one of those yeah i'm just really disappointed with the uh blu-ray release that it's uh it doesn't have the commentary by the uh, director or writer or any yeah. anyone really involved with the film. It's it's a critic, I think, for some uh very odd, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they're there I know there's foreign editions of it that have more content. I'm sure they're gonna release something down here down the line. Because I, so. I noticed they've been clearing it out. I mean, I got it for like four bucks on Black Friday. So oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, like Best Buy. So I mean it's definitely um one, I don't think. I mean, that's. Black you think Friday. it would like make it to like a Criterion release? I don't know of a Criterion, but I have noticed that or without Scream a, Factory. The yeah, I always. For yeah, or, or some of the other ones that are getting big in that that realm and stuff. Um, you know, there's definitely you know a, a increasing market share for for that kind of horror. So I mean, and but for I'm, films. I'm probably guessing the director just doesn't want to explain the movie. It, it kind of seems that way. It's just kind of take it for what it is, interpret it your own way. There has been essays and interviews when set basically saying that certain a lot of the questions about the time period, this, 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 and mm-hmm. this, like all these, 
you know, points that are constantly debated and he hasn't, you know, seemed to really want to elaborate more than a general gist. And that's fine with me. I mean, I've never... I actually kind of didn't want to explain. I like that it had its own mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a couple of the films I mentioned here. I like uh, Turbo Kid, We Are Still Here, um, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Mad Max. They all have their own mythology, and so does It Follows. Yeah. Um, creating their own world, no matter how mundane or basic it may be, or wild and insane, whatever it is. Either way, it's... Um, I think that that's, that's a crucial part here. So, um, so I'll segue here to my finale, my number one for the year. And I will say this is a preface because, um, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we got on this podcast and stuff. And, um, yeah, Adam, who always has really, really good ideas about how to kind of divvy stuff up to really make it uh, truly fair and balanced. A big part of it is television shows versus movies and stuff to be able to have some different categories. And while it's a film in a lot of respect, um, it really is a TV show, so I'll just jump the gun one little bit to say that I, I can honestly say that, um, even though it's right now like one of the hottest topics, uh, I was completely blown away by making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Um but when I really look at it in retrospect, it's not really a film. It's a 10-hour movie if you want. It's really more of a show. Um, there might not be a season two or whatever. Um, so I really have to go on that criteria, and I've got to consider it more of a of a, a television or an episodic than an actual um, movie. Right. And so I, I do encourage everyone to watch that. Um if for no other reason, no matter what you get out of it, it just for the amazing fact that somebody took 10 years to make a film. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually going to go, I mean, because obviously I've gone through the list. People are going, well, what the hell else is left? And I'm going to go with the, uh, the um, you know, the, the real out of left field black sheet. But the film that blew me away the most this year or that I really loved the more I thought about it, is Clown. Mm. Oh, okay which is a Eli Roth produced film that was made a short film that basically was fleshed out into feature length and visually um, the story, the ideas in it, I, it just really kind of got to me. The more you're, you're going to, you're going to hate me for asking this again. Is it clown with a C or a K is with a C. Okay. There is, there is that other one that's with a K. I think that's a German like, comedy like jackass type thing oh yeah I, i've never even seen that but i would think in the era of new metal that might be k-l-o-w-n <laughs> i mean in all things but um it's not just because i love seeing children get killed it's because <laughs> it's because i i really love seeing children get killed no oh, it's gosh. it really is a really um i like a really dark story and you know, people might look at the trailer, or look at the film, and go, "Man, this could have been made by like this could be reached like the old days of Anchor Bay." You know, like this could be like an Anchor Bay dollar bin title. And there's, I've read reviews, and a lot of people were not kind to it. So it may have just spoken to me, but I thought um, where it went as a film, um, again making its own mythology or, or drawing on traditional mythology the the gore the uh the brutality in it but most of all there was there was real heart to this film in every aspect to me and from in the end i just after watching it it wasn't that i just wanted to re-watch it 
I rewatched it in my mind. I played over a lot of scenes like I would like when I was a kid. Like, oh sure, man, that was that was really fucking creepy, <laughs> or that was really bizarre or interesting, or man, I kind of want to know more about clowns now, like the actual history. Um, I loved the makeup. I loved the special effects. Uh, I, I for all like no name actors, I thought they all were were com were com completely um, did excellent. I mean, this this was not a, a big budget film. It was just a simple idea of a short film that ended up winning out for me. So uh, is that available? That's right the now? biggest problem. Is I wasn't able to see it forever because it was only available for a long time, and I believe currently still is. I have the Zavi um, book edition of it, which was only like five hundred or a thousand. Oh I, wow! I think they put out another like basic Blu-ray or basic DVD. This is the Blu-ray I have. The DVD I think you can get on Amazon.co.uk or Amazon.de. Um, I don't know when it will be brought stateside, but when I do know you can watch it for free on YouTube and some other obviously sites out there. But um, if you get a chance. Please check it out because it's definitely um, top of the pops for me. Twenty fifteen. Wow, cool. Mm. So, all right, Victor, take <laughs> it away. I mean, uh, how many how many holes have we drilled from our list? Oh yeah, I mean, there's still a few that I haven't been talked about. Sweet. Um, yeah, my uh, honorable mentions. I had Turbo Kid and What We Do in the Shadows. Those are both very solid i liked i think i like turbo kid just b because of my love of like mega man and you know it, it feels like that like what a live action dark mega man movie would be like even down to the fact that the uh girl um i forget what was her name apple apple mm -hmm. is just pretty much like roll yeah his yeah. mega man um, we all agreed, by the way, that we have longer honorable mentions than we did top tens <laughs> this year by far. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know what we do in the shadows. And I, I saw that at the loft in Tucson, and I was like, that very solid. Uh, you know, probably I would say it's probably Jermaine Clement's best movie. Um, I like it even more than Eagle versus Shark. Mm -hmm. um, my t my uh, last uh, uh, honorable mention before I get to my main list is a documentary. Um, you can find it on HBO. Uh, it's called Going Clear, Scientology in the Prison of Belief. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I, I It's funny because looking back at what I had talked about on um, our first, like, the best stuff from last year, it, like, Going Clear was about to debut at Sundance. And, apparent, and I was very excited about seeing, like, this and Montage of Heck. And then I saw both of them. Clearly, like, Going Clear, like, is a very good documentary. Yeah. Like, this was the year of the bad Kurt Cobain documentary, clearly. Right. <laughs> I I couldn't even make yeah. it. I'm soaked in bleach, personally. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, But, yeah, no, Going Clear is very worth watching. Excellent production values and explains a lot about, you know, the cult of Scientology. You know, just drive by the Phoenix headquarters and try to count how many security cameras are there and tell me that's normal. Um, so now I'll start getting into my top ten and they're uh, not really too numbered, but uh, I'll start off with um, my my number ten here. You know, arbitrary number is uh, the editor from the fine people at Astron Six. Um, I, I've this is one of those things where like oh this sounds really interesting and I watched it and it's basically like um, a send up of 
giallo movies like uh you know like uh the bird with the crystal plumage or deep red are very obvious influences and all mm-hmm. the kills are like you know from like argento or lucio fulci movies so that that spoke to me but the actually it's like really well done it has a lot of the same people you see in a lot of these uh canadian horror movies nowadays like tristan risk or um uh, the girl who dies at the beginning of uh, Your Next has a very big role in this part. I don't remember her name. Um, Paz de la Huerta is in this, and she's playing a role that's just like tailor made for her lack of acting ability. Boobs? Uh, yeah, lots yeah. of Paz de la Huerta nudity of, of in course. this. Um, who else is in this? Uh, Udo Kier has a very good cameo, as of does course. like Lawrence Hervey, who's from The Human Centipede Part 2. But uh, I think what I like is the even though it's kind of like a satire of these kind of movies, the actual story is very good, and there's like a lot of comedy in there, um, and it, it's filmed in a way to look like it's from the '70s. All the dialogue is overdubbed, and it's it's just done really well. It's funny if you like Italian horror movies, you'll appreciate it as like a comedy, but it also is its own kind of movie. And that's a, a line that I don't think a lot of uh, movies walk well it's like oh if you're gonna do a satire it's just gonna be something stupid like scary movie and this is like its own movie so on the scale because yeah because like scary movie and those types of things are like way like into like the airplane like crazy set yeah and then you have something that's black dynamite which kind of teeters yeah this is not this is more subtle than that like this is more like you know there's like uh, a, a kill scene learner movie it's like oh wow that's really but like unless you've seen like lucio fulci zombie you wouldn't know that it's referencing that that uh kill scene gotcha so it's one of those things where you're like you're watching it's like oh you might not even realize that you think it's just making fun of 80s stuff mm-hmm. but very like subtly like there's a part where like they go in there into a club and it's all these women doing like you know jazz you know like that kind of like uh olivia newton john aerobicized thing mm-hmm you know, so it's like that '80s fetishism, but at the same time, it's still watchable as a movie. You know what I gotcha. mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting to think of what when we talk <coughs> about what we do in shows is that I just want to touch on. I don't think Victor, if they're in his things, that I don't want to cut into his list. But one thing I I'm a huge other besides horror anthologies is horror comedies, and it was a really big year for him with like Cooties, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse. Yeah, Cooties. Cooties almost made my list yeah. too. And um, one actually, my last film I got in before this list was actually um, Deathgasm, which oh, holds, that's you. my next movie on. My- oh, was it? Okay, well, <laughs> let's go right into there. But I did want to say it's a big year for horror comedies, yeah. and that one was actually probably yeah. my favorite out of the that grouping of yeah. style. So yeah, the next movie on my list is Deathgasm, which is a New Zealand uh, horror film. It came out like a few months ago, and. Um, I think, like I, I've been saying, basically, the segue I was going to make from the editor to this, it's like, it's this 80s, like, retro thing you're seeing in movies is becoming very pertinent. It's like, you know, like, when you want, when I was growing up in the 80s and you were seeing, like, Back to the Future and all these movies that kind of, like, were fetishizing the 1950s, I think is what's happening now with, like, the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And Deathgasm is kind of like... um you know, like a few years ago, there was this TV show I really liked a lot called Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, yep. which was like basically like, oh, what if a metalhead found the Necronomicon? Mm-hmm. And this is like 
essentially kind of like the same thing. Um, but it's just done like really well. It's like, you know, this outcast kind of kid. He wants to like, you know, be a rock star and, you know, along the way evil gets unleashed, you know, and, you know, kind of funny stuff ensues what's refreshing about it is it's actually metal yeah it's very it's it's metal yeah and it's like it you know it's kind of like that you know there's like the love interest like it's the girl is set up to be the love interest she wants to be a rock star like she has you know a fantasy sequence where she's like you know lita ford pretty much But what was so refreshing about the metal Uh uh-huh is that it wasn't half-assed. Yes. Like, you know that they listen to metal. Mm-hmm. It's not like watching uh, Trick or Treat. Not Trick yeah. or Treat. But the Trick or Treat with, uh, Gene, what was Simmons. It? with, with Gene Simmons in it. Yeah. Where it's like the the kid looked up to this this uh, metal icon. But it was like not really... Say his name. Like metal metal. Sammy Kerr. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was at um, well, yeah, but at that you point, know, plastine eighty two, eighty three. Though a lot of that, I mean, you know, that was obviously like the the era of heavy metal movies, Black Roses, uh, right. Hard Rock Zombies. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it was harder then than it is to do like a loving tribute now. Be more honest. I mean, there's people who didn't like this movie. They're like, there's Trivium posters and stuff, and you know, Trivium is not what most people would consider like a metal like. I mean, especially as they're kind of like rock and coarse paint, they're more of like a black metalish, mm-hmm. yeah. supposed to be style band. But I mean, I just I had fun with it. I mean, obviously, as a huge metalhead, it's kind of like, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't expect it to be authentic. That's one thing I actually did like about, and I love Todd in the Book of Pure Evil. I thought mm-hmm. it was absolutely genius. Um, but I I agree with what I'm saying. I mean, there was more of an authenticity to it. I just thought it was actually funny, which is. One thing I can say I felt that with um, both Cooties and Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, while I laughed, I mean, there was definitely parts that I thought were funny. It felt really forced, whereas in Deathgasm, I laughed more naturally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yep. So. Well, no. I mean, there's things that are like when they're trying to shoot their death metal video and. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of that kind I of stuff. I forget the part where he does, but the, my favorite scene is the one where the one's talking to him they're like at the mirror together and he keeps kind of panning in and out yeah like that slow-mo kind of like oh and one more thing the uh <laughs> with the demon it was just gold that i laughed so hard yeah that was one of the funniest bits i've seen this year no but that was i think i thought that was a very solid movie um it does have like a you know a credit tag that kind of seems to set up a sequel but in a way it's actually interesting not like green inferno where the tag kind of ruins the movie you know, but well, it's been a good or year he f- never died. He never died. Had a terrible ending. Yeah, to it. it's good that New Zealand is uh, taking over because <laughs> oh, I also last year I really liked Housebound was mm. another one, yeah. which I guess they're remaking. They they remake it like a U.S. Version no U.S. release is yeah. coming out this year, dude. Oh. Uh, I think this weekend there's a remake of uh, Martyrs coming. Yeah, I out. did see that, too. and I'm like, what? You know. Uh, we can talk about that another time. Good time. Might yeah. Have to. Yeah. Next time. Uh, next time. Uh, <laughs> my next pick is uh, Crimson Peak, just because, like, 
you know, it, I like that it's like a gothic film and gothic in the sense of the genre of literature. Right. You know, like when I was, uh, you know, taking English classes in college, it's like, you know, the English major is like the girl trapped in, you know, mm-hmm. you know, with no recourse. So she writes letters speaking of the horror. And this is that in film form. Yeah. You know, yeah. it goes, you know, the real monster in this is Jessica Chastain, you know, um, Number seven for me was uh, Sicario, which um, I didn't know if it would make it at first. I had to, like, watch it a few times because it's one of those movies where you, like, have to sit down and pay attention. Like, it, it's not passive. And it's, like, and then it's kind of odd because then at the end it's sort of, like, the straightforward story but as like, a slow burn. But it has really good, solid performances from, like, Emily Blunt and uh, Benicio Del Toro who... I don't think has been more scary in a role that I, I can don't think want of. anywhere near my ear <laughs> for a long time <laughs> without giving too much away there. Yeah, <sighs> I, but, didn't, I didn't care for the movie. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think it was a movie. It's it's not the type of movie that I'm interested in watching oh, yeah. in this time in my life. Anything that has to do with, I guess that's sort of like the drug smuggling or. Um, you could even throw in movies like The Kingdom or what's a new one out that's 13 hours. Oh, the Benghazi um, oh, the movie. Big, yeah. I just don't have interest in movies like that this time in my life. Like I used to. It's mm-hmm. like I kind of go, I kind of float in and out. So when I watched Asario, I was just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I just, I just bored. to me, like, I, I was really interested in what was going on with Benicio Del Toro's character. But then you realize like that's kind of like... That's what they used to draw you in. It's more in a lot of ways. It's like zero dark thirty, so I can, which is a lot like the Benghazi movie. So I could see why you probably wouldn't yeah, and like it. Yeah, that's another in- movie I'm not interested. Yeah, but to me, it was just like seeing like um, the CIA getting involved with local law enforcement to meet their own kind of ends. It's like it, it's one of those movies that asks questions, like how far is the government willing to go sure. to like really protect people? It's you know. So that I like that there was like that kind of a twist and I, on it, and I think like in in that sort of aspect, I'd rather watch a documentary that maybe explores like the unanswered questions, mm-hmm. as opposed to like in kind of a fictionalized way. Well, I mean, I watch me. a lot of documentaries about this stuff, so to me, I was yeah, kind of surprised at like how accurate it was. Well, mind you, the fact that the beginning is set in Chandler, but no, it's, it's clearly not. not Chandler. You know, New Mexico is not a good stand-in for Maricopa. <laughs> no, it's not. Um. The next movie on my list, I'm kind of surprised it wasn't on either of one of yours, is Ex Machina. And it's just one of those things. Like I, I Again, it's a movie that asks questions about morality. And I thought like the gray area of characters. Oscar Isaac is really good in this. And even Domhnall Gleeson, I also thought, did a very, very solid job in this film. Um, and uh, Alicia Vikander, who is also in that Man from Uncle movie, which is terrible. She best female robot ever, but I like this movie. It's really good. I've watched it a few times. I do too, and it was something that I was maybe considering to put on the list. Mm -hmm. I just find honestly, I really. It's weird that when I chiseled down my list, I I wasn't kidding, man. I I found almost everything to be like an honorable mention. Mm -hmm. Like I found like twenty films that I would consider, most of which have already been mentioned, but. Great film, great score. Um, it just for me just didn't hit me in the same way. But I agree 
on a film. I like films that ask difficult questions or pose serious philosophical, moral, social issues, but not necessarily as you know that that's what the base of it is to me a lot of it is like it asks a question that like because you know blade runner is like one of those movies that i always come back to but one of the big faults with blade runner at the film is that it makes um tyrell such a central character but he's pretty much a cipher like it makes he's like you know all you hear from tyrell is sebastian telling you why he thinks tyrell did things and then when you meet tyrell he's kind of like you know, this, like, you know, like God or something like the traditional is like, oh, I'm just here to comfort. You know, it's like he does this thing that changes the universe and all he does is kind of sit in his tower away from his ant farm yep. versus here. You're seeing like, you know, Oscar Isaac's character is basically what I feel like a Tyro. Like, you know, he's somebody who just can't deal with people. He's really fucked up and he's creating this AI for like a really fucked up reason. Mm hmm. You know, and then you're seeing he's just like fucking with people. So to right. me, it's like kind of a spin on something that I thought went unanswered in a movie that's very similar. So in your next life, you're going to be Oscar Isaac? No, no, I don't. Oscars. To me, it's just I, I like when, you know, you see oh, yeah. like what the theme that my all my. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying the theme that my <laughs> my t- my films have in common, I, I think for most of our most of your lists and our list is that they're all original stories. It's not like the sequel to something, you know. So I like when people are actually trying to find because I'm getting tired of like the top film every year being a sequel or an adaptation of something, you know? True. Uh, my next film is It Follows. You know, again, very solid. It's like, hey, what would happen if the thing happened in like Michigan, pretty much, you know? And I, I like I like that it's kind of like a kid's adventure movie, but if the thing and like you know, it, it takes something like they, it makes it relatable by being a sexually transmitted thing, you know? And I, I was like, yeah, you know, and I, all the performances are really solid. And I like that you're getting a lot of insight into the characters versus just like, let's spend a lot of time on the monster and fuck characterization, which is harbinger down the other thing ripoff that came out this year, you know, don't watch it. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, harbinger down. I mean, um my next movie is the hateful eight which i think is probably tarantino's best movie since uh inglorious bastards um it's very talky so i get why a lot of people don't like it um but i like his movies like reservoir dogs or jackie brown which are pretty much just long conversations it's the only film I didn't get to see that I know you both did that I think may have heavily influenced a change in my list. Yeah, and the cinematography in this movie and the score, are th- I think, are both really amazing. And I like how they use a lot of unused cues from um, the thing in here. And then there's like a little scene that uses um, like the theme from The Exorcist to The Heretic, and that's what sold me on it. And I'm like, oh my god, it works perfectly right there. <laughs> Uh, my next movie is Creed, which I don't think the sixth Rocky movie has any, like, there's no way it should have been this good. The fact that it's a sequel to Rocky four 
there's no way this movie should have been this good. But it's like easily I would say like one of the like the best like drama movies I've ever seen, one of the best boxing dramas I've ever seen, period. Um it does like similar things that I feel like Million Dollar Baby touched on, but much, much better and uh without being as condescending. So yeah, that's one that initially when I heard the movie was being made and and came out i said there's absolutely no way this is going to be something that i would want to see anybody would want to see it's just gonna you know i thought it'd be like a dump month sort of Mm -hmm. thing and they kind of threw it out at christmas maybe thinking that there weren't a lot of people um interested in the other things that were coming out and that one kind of would just you know slip right through and they would kind of make some of their money back and then it'd just be done and out but this has grown so much momentum mm-hmm. and legs from critics and just even a general audience going you know this is like the best movie of the year yeah I, I, I think it's really kind of fucked up it didn't get uh, nominated for like best picture yeah, it, it, the Oscars. to me yeah this is what i'm saying like yeah I, sylvester Stallone already won like uh golden glove for best supporting actor and i feel like seriously like he makes Rocky feels like a real person watching this. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I just haven't had a chance to see yeah, it. Same with me. And, and I love—I'm not a sports dude at all, but yeah. I love sports movies, especially sports mm-hmm. dramas. And I know there's both a very cliche stock ones, but then a lot of them are really good. It's just that they use the sport mm-hmm. as the—you know—it's the part of the vessel for the yeah. story, but it's like the heart. in a lot of ways, like in, in, you know how people talk about how like the force awakens, it's like, Oh, it's only so good because it's like, you know, using the bones of star Wars or a new hope to get there. And then you're, you know, you're obviously like, no, it's using, using that as a touchstone to get people to find the heart of the story. Right. That's a lot. How like Creed is where like it uses like the best parts of all the movies that have come before it, to like make to like revisit like a similar story to the first Rocky, where it's right. just about like somebody who's had not the best life, and you know he's trying to make his own way in the world. It's not about like him, you know, like you know trying to be the world champion or something. Mm-hmm. It's about him trying to find himself as a person in the world. Cool, you know. And it's like I wish I could go on, but like it, I feel like anything I could say to like you know open up why like it like trods on spoilers because it's just a very tightly told story right. you know but uh yeah, that's why i'm not prodding anymore about yeah it. um my next movie is uh kingsman the secret service again it made my list because i i you know it's a comic book it's based on a comic book called the secret service it's a marv film it's you know uh one of Mark Millar's films. And the thing is, it's directed by the same uh, Matthew Vaughn who did like, you know, kick ass, you know, and they have that relationship, but he has, I feel like a gift for making Mark Miller's like horribly nihilistic comic books into good movies. Mm -hmm. Um, because the kick ass film is much better than the comic. And this is much better than the comic it's based on. Right. You know, it just uses the broad strokes of it and makes a really good movie. And it benefits a lot from really good performances you know, from Colin Firth and Samuel Jackson. I think between this, this is one of those things that's interesting. Like, I feel like for the longest time doing these Marvel movies, Samuel Jackson's just kind of been coasting where he's just like playing himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in Kingsman, especially in Hateful Eight, he's like actually trying to act now. 
you know and it's weird because like you know he's like you know samuel jackson's locking like michael kane where like michael kane can get work just being michael kane oh sure forever yeah. right. you know but like this, like he makes weird choices with the character he's playing, and the fact that the movie is like kind of like an action movie version of Trading Places, I also, you know, kind of hits me in the soft spot. Like, okay, they're trying to do something really different and original. This movie's not gonna get a sequel, um, but the fact that it's an interesting comic book movie counts for a lot, especially with how terrible Avengers 2 Age of Ultron was because, like, the more these films go on, they're just becoming cogs to sell merchandise. Like, I want to see Batman versus Superman. I'm really hoping it's good, but the fact that it has, like, you know, like, Superman fighting Batman, like, Bizarro, Doomsday, and the whole Justice League is going to be, I'm like, what is this? This is, Is this a movie or a vehicle to sell merchandise, you know? Ah, the age-old question. The DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I well, I, I did... I the think... DCCU. <laughs> Doesn't sound quite as yeah. good as the MCU, but... Uh, Mark Millar did... I think he did confirm that Kingsman 2 is being made. Uh, well, hopefully it's a situation where Matthew Vaughn isn't directing it. Because, you know, Kick-Ass 2 was made. He, he was... He'll th- produce it, and, you know... I think he was... Oh, boy. He's, he does such cryptic Facebook post now and again yeah he was either asking for another film that he's uh producing or it might be for kingsman 2 where he said you know i i'm open to suggestions for other directors who are in the same vein as blah 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 and i couldn't remember if that was for kingsman 2 or for another thing that he's doing anyways look it up online yeah because that's that's the thing like mark miller just kind of does these like self-contained comic books that are just like could have been done with like regular characters and it's just like oh it's so high concept like nemesis which is like what if uh the joker was batman like a multimillionaire, and he traveled around the world like killing police commissioners or superior which is like what if a uh, little kid had the power of superman you know mm-hmm. and these are interesting things and it takes a good director to make them into interesting movies you know right true um so now, and clearly, now we're at the end of my list, which is Mad Max Fury Road, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, without saying, it's pretty much like it's not the movie I don't, I think anyone was expecting. Um, you know, when, when we saw the poster, it's like, okay, um, he's captured somehow. But then it be, you watch and he's like, he's a supporting character in his own movie. It's all about like, you know, Furiosa and her struggle for self determination. And just the whole cult of personality um, around the villain in this movie, that's where it's like a car cult. It's like very interesting and mm-hmm. unique. It feels like you're reading a comic story out of like heavy metal in the 80s. Yeah. You know? So that's pretty much, uh, you know, one of the things I really liked about that movie. And it's very rewatchable. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh well yeah I didn't know you guys were gonna do your honorable mentions at the same time because I had well, I, might as I well suppose I could them. I could fill them in now <laughs> sure go on for my it. end um I had the Martian was the one that I I switched out with Crimson Peak and I Crimson Peak won out just because I know it's going to be one that stands the test of time. And is going to be like one of my all-time favorites yeah. down the road. Uh, you know, probably in my top ten of all time. Um, and something that uh, my wife and I really enjoy to watch. Martian had kind of that middle of the road 
um, very accessible, um, very like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. USA, USA kind of feel to it. Uh, but nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's, you know, that, that's, it's, it's popcorn culture and it's great. Uh, I also had the Green Inferno and we've talked about that before. Um, one of those that I surprisingly liked better than uh, I, I, I thought I was going to. Uh, Vacation had its moments and I have to mention it. Not that it's a favorite, but I would watch it again if it was on uh, Netflix or something like that. If I, I just stumbled across it. Uh, the Walk, uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie across the two towers. Not to be confused with The Wire. <laughs> with The Wire. <laughs> uh, I, I had an a interdu- interesting discussion earlier today where someone was mentioning The Walk is one of those kind of forgotten movies or maybe some that a lot of people missed but was really good. Uh, I said that I wish I didn't see Man on Wire, which was the documentary, before I saw The Walk. I wish it was the other way around because Man on Wire is much, much better. Uh, Man from Uncle, which Victor just said is terrible, I really liked. Uh, Maze Runner, The Scorched Trials. I said The Hateful Eight Roadshow. And uh, Devil's Carnival 2, Alleluia Roadshow. Mm. I wonder if that's going to end up on Netflix or anything. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think they're still uh, I think they're still out on the road. Oh, okay. I think it, it might be like a year long thing that they've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't have to mention Pixels. I won't do that. Oh, I just did. <laughs> uh, did anybody have any honorable mentions before we move on to any like TV stuff? Or no, I pretty ahead. much went through mine. Or did you guys? Mine, I um, well, hasn't already been mentioned. I you know, like I said, I was really hoping to add The Revenant to my top of the year. Um, and I really did love Crimson Peak, another beautifully, beautifully shot film. Um, I didn't quite have as much love, but I really did enjoy it. I love everything Gamma del Toro does. Um, I, I actually thought The Martian was pretty fun. I saw that a few weeks ago and enjoyed it. Um, one I had really high hopes for that actually did not deliver for me was Krumpus. Um, I wanted, I love Trick or Treat. I wanted it to be the Christmas equivalent, and it just wasn't close. But I do feel that film down the line, I think I will enjoy it a lot more. Um, a film I wanted to love, um, I do think it deserves an honorable mention for various reasons, but I didn't absolutely love was Bone Tomahawk. Um, I just... I wanted to like that movie I just really, so much. I really, really wanted to love it. Um, I love cannibals. I love, like... All that kind of stuff. I just thought it was it was an, it could have really worked. It was a film that was way, way too long. Yep. Uh, watch what once you see Hateful Eight, and then you'll see it compare. You'll you'll you can't not compare it to Bone Tomahawk, and it seems even worse in comparison. Yeah. Um. Let me see here. Um. Like I said, what we do in shadows and stuff. Of course. Um. For me, it's it's important because I'm a huge fan. Of their music, I don't think it was a great, great movie, but I do love Straight Out Compton solely because Straight Out Compton is the record that changed my life. Um, if I had never heard that record, I don't think I'd be into all kinds of heavy music now or into the a lot of the ideas or thoughts I had. It is the like most, you know, was the most intense thing I'd ever heard growing up on like top forty radio. Um, so I was just blown away that, and then hearing heavy metal at the same time was just just blew me yeah, away I've, i have yet to see that one i do want to see i it. saw it i i mean to me it felt like 
It's weird when you watch a movie that you know is based in real life, but it's just so over the top that it feels fictionalized. Yeah, there was there's and they just obviously cherry picked a lot of the stuff yeah. they wanted. They made it like, oh, the thing about Easy was the real like, oh, uh, this is the difficult part we had to get to, and it's like, uh, no, nah, you kind of gloss that. Um, made it way too. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but. It's still worth checking out. I think. See, my whole thing with Straight Outta Compton, it's like almost like all the principals are the producers of the movies, and it's weird when you're watching a biopic that ends in a cliffhanger for a sequel. And <laughs> this true. is literally what happens that at the true. end of the movie. It's like, is this like the Fast and Furious of? No, 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 no. I'm like, not you know, spoiling you, it. No, I'm, you may know what happens if you know anything about hip hop history, but yeah, yeah. No, no, that's exactly it. But yeah. yeah, it's just it's weird. I'm like, I don't. I to me, it's like I don't think you can do like a Fast and Furious franchise of biopics. <laughs> but apparently, that's what they're trying to do. Like, there's gonna be a Dre movie and a Tupac movie, and they're all gonna. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. I mean, I have no doubt. Now, the guy who plays Tupac in this is like frighteningly a doppelganger for him. Yeah. It's, well, that nice cube son, man. He yeah. really did hit it spot on, of course, but. Um. Uh, only a couple more here, just real, real quick. Um, I actually was gonna put close to the top. Um, I really did enjoy the visit and wanted to put it. I I really finally think, wow, M Night Shyamalan finally made a good movie again. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I was shocked that wasn't on Victor's list. Actually, was Spring, since I know you were a pretty big fan. Yeah. No. I I think it's just one of those things I kind of like. Um forgot about it yeah to me like i think my one of my criteria for these tends to be like how like how much of an evergreen it can be and if i see a movie and i feel like it's gonna be forgetful it's less likely to make my list yeah but i I thought it was a very interesting movie um the main guy in it i forget his name he was the best part of the uh, evil dead remake for sure and I'd like to see him in more things. Yeah, there's it was great acting, really good effects, and a good story. I just have to say it's the worst sound editing I've heard in a film in forever. Yeah, um, just couldn't, just could not deal with it. Um, and the last thing I want to say because I don't think I ever got to say it was, I, I do want to put Star Wars on my list. Um, as at least an honorable mention. I mean, if not for nostalgia or anything, went and saw my family on Christmas Eve. Um, we all grew up with the Star Wars universe, and obviously, my brother. It's a huge, huge part of his life. I I love the Sith. I love the dark side. I mean, that's where I, I symbolically really enjoy the film, of course. Um, I do love the stories. I, I thought it was well done. Um, and this, I guess, will be my controversial point. Is that I want to put them on diametric ends. Is that when people talk about I'm ardently um, for pe- the empowerment of people, but especially of women, I don't think films in roles... Um, you know, there's enough strong women in films, and a lot of the films I picked on my list this year, I felt like did have them, and I felt like in a film like Mad Max Fury Road, there was a lot of like, like neckbeard atheist keyboard warriors, you know, typical MRA types or whatever that um, I think went a little overboard and completely missed the point um, that you know it's about like i think am just put it really well it's about your own journey or what you guys did about the I journey of, oh sorry yeah. self-determination i really like that idea um for women and for all people um i really really hated absolutely abhorred the heavy-handed 
quote-unquote feminism in the Star Wars film. I hated the whole idea of Rey as this like part where like running and holding hands or whatever. Like I'm not here. This is it. Just seems so completely like heavy-handed. That I, I just, must have missed this. Oh, the part in the 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 thing where they're on um Tatooine and it's oh I like, know exactly what. You're oh talking. yeah, don't look at it, me. It's just, it, Yaku. No, it's just that it's like Jaku. It's Yaku. just this kind of, Jaku. Sorry, yeah, my apologies. It's just one of those ones where I felt like. It's like trying to show how strong she is when she can do it herself. I mean, like, almost like I which feel like part are you talking about? The though? whole part where they're like, where Finn oh, and she's leading Finn around, Finn, and and Finn's trying to grab her, and it just becomes like this. There's a couple parts in the film where it is way too much. Like I can do this on my own, and I'm I, sure I don't like, think that so much feminism is like the fact that she's been living on her own as a scavenger for her whole life. And Finn is kind of clueless. Well, no, no, no. I don't disagree with that part and stuff. I just feel that if I, because uh, it's not, it's not about the idea of her being far from independent because she obviously has been. I just feel like in the film they went way too far out of their way, and I see that in way too many films now. Whereas a lot of the female protagonists that I found strong in films throughout my childhood and now. Mm. I don't feel like it was so heavy-handed, and now every no, film, no, it's got to be. No, I get what you're yeah. saying. To me, like she made more sense in that regard to me because they kind of gave you a backstory. I think I had more of a problem with like Finn being an enslaved stormtrooper and like coming up with an escape plan on his own, and then just being like, "Yeah," and then yeah, I'm I'm part of the resistance. Like he seemed too self-assured. Do you get what I mean? I don't, oh, I'm not getting in the middle of this. Oh anymore. no, 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 no! And I know, and Adam obviously has has I, his I, own yeah, podcast. I, I know, want, I know. He, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm not gonna like you know try to. To me, like, like the reason I feel like Star Wars didn't make my top ten list. It's like and maybe when it comes out on Blu-ray, there'll be like a longer version. Because no. I feel like there were things they're, they're not doing a longer. Oh, uh, they. Sh- I feel like they're they putting sh- they're putting in the stuff that was cut out as like bonus th- stuff at okay. the very most. But they're not going to do a director's. Yeah, because like I just kind of feel like my problem with the movie is there's a lot of plot holes that like I couldn't look past. Well, they didn't. They didn't explain a lot of things, and they yeah. and I really don't think that they had to. They had well, to get from point A to point Z I, I, and put it all together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my main thing was the Poe Dameron Finn escape, mm-hmm. and then you know he finds the jacket, and then the capsule's destroyed, and then suddenly. He finds Poe later, right? Right. So, at that point, what I'm reading is like either a Poe got cat, you know, got rescued super quickly, right, and just didn't tell them about Finn, or he left the planet and just ditched Finn. So it it just kind of when he runs into him, it's like, oh yeah, you're that stormtrooper that tried to save me. Right on, you know. It's kind of it felt to me kind of like, dude, this guy's kind of a dick. He, you know, yeah, he is. He's 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 cocksure, is what he is. Yeah, but to me, that seemed like a very like fucked up, not forgivable yeah. thing. You know what? Yeah. I sat there and I watched the movie, and I just had a good time. And I, oh, I'm not no, criticizing no, no. And, it. That's and, just no. my that's, that's one. Well, and that's the, an opinion. And the now, point you know, of why I brought this up and stuff, and this wasn't to launch into a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a separate cinema fantastico. Yeah. Well, I could talk about Ray and the I, feminism. I know, push. All right, no, no, no. Yeah, we I'll, could change it. Back but I, I just right, I, the reason I brought that point up though is I just wanted to say that. Um, kind of like what Victor said, it's a, another kind of odd parallel, but did say about the whole, um, 
you know how uh, like superhero films like like a lot of comic book movies are just becoming obviously like a marketing line mm -hmm. for me i feel like there's so too much shoehorn social issues into all genres of film instead of being the actual natural story that should be where it's like you can make strong characters of any background but if they don't happen naturally to me they it feels like right. we did this because we need to hit these key demographics and it's like that was the problem i had with the the film myself gotcha and i'm yeah. not going to i'm not going to stay in stay yeah. in the star wars route i'm just going to say this in general mm -hmm. i think that sort of stuff has to be pushed to the point that it is like really obvious and just over the top because then yeah. it will it will dilute it will itself natural. over time. Then it'll become natural. If you just keep going down the path of, of least resistance, and if it's it's not going to make an impact. Yeah, but that's the problem so is that I don't find it to be the path of least resistance. I find that the path has already been forged by other by better, by you right, but yeah. by other people. What I mean is is that and in the mainstream, I just think everyone is in such. A desire to showcase they don't even like to showboat that they don't ever see that wow look at all this progress and look how much more we could make mm -hmm. um instead they just it, it, i just feel like a film has become um like i said just there's a lot of it where i just feel like um i i think it sounds like it probably comes across in this podcast or something as like i'm some kind of like old kind of stalwart no, but no, it's no, not no, at no. all it's not intended to be that way it's that i feel like I, I really you're probably you may be right i wouldn't disagree with the idea of it naturally um evening out over time because that does happen a lot of a lot of different a gamut of things but i do feel like with this film i think that uh, and this obviously will be the last thing i say the expectations were <laughs> okay. so high across the board on everything right that i felt like they're like ah shit oh well, we don't we, we forgot the kick, kitchen sink no speaking no, no. to victor's I, point but yeah well that could be the case. The like, kitchen sink just was to the put plot it points. like in a different like setting. Like, what do you think of Mako from Pacific Rim? What do you mean, like, like what, that character, the character of Mako in Pacific Rim? I don't really. I that's one thing I I didn't think was very good about Pacific Rim was any of the character development or any involvement mm -hmm. in it. Like, I that's the one thing I felt that. Pacific Rim didn't work well in any respect in terms of its story. It was just fun. Mm -hmm. Like, I never thought of it as, um, you know, obviously the different nationalities, different genders. For me, it's like their symbiotic relationship. Uh, you know, it's not one I really kind of thought a huge amount about. Um, I really like Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. It's just not really a film I looked at as strong i i always consider his weakest film in terms mm. of but you really can't make a film about giant robots versus monsters and make it particularly deep yeah i mean you know i don't know but i think what i was just saying is to me like mako and pacific rim is a lot kind of like furiosa or not you know, like furiosa maybe one of the girls were like um she's kind of been sheltered but she kind of and, and to me she's also kind of like ray where, like, she just wants to kind of prove herself. And maybe the fact that she's taking such an active lead in helping Finn is her trying to assert herself, if that makes sense. And that could be. The way it yeah. came across, it just wasn't as much like that as it was, I don't know, just some kind of pandering. But mm -hmm. I don't know. The Star Wars universe, I mean, I feel bad 
for the devoted fans because it's it's so hard because it's such a difficult line to to cross so i i or the line to walk yeah i i'm still really i i'm excited to see like the next one with right right rian johnson because i really like like looper and brick and all, a lot of his other movies, and I think the story will probably be really tight. I do also want to say that I do think the best part of, to come out of it so far is um, emo Kylo Ren. Oh, God. I, 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 I want to see that undercover boss thing they keep talking about. I heard it's really fun. Oh, it's on SNL, good. yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, TV? Or I no, know we should probably wrap it up. Mm-hmm. We should just keep it for next Oh, time. how about, well, no. I mean, let's just let's just run through here. What do we got? I just run through it. Yeah, we can run through it. I mean, yeah, might as well. Uh, we're we're at what? Yeah, we got another fifteen minutes. Because you know I ain't got nothing in TV. This is your guys's. <laughs> I already said making a murderer. I stand by it. Um, I know you guys are probably gonna talk about Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, so I'll you know, you... I forgot to put that on my list. <laughs> oh well, maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I this is, this is there's just like so many good TV shows this year that I was like trying to jot everything down, and I thought about it halfway through, and then I'm like, no, well, I'm sure that'll be on Adam's list. Uh, so I'll just, so that way there's differentiation. Yeah, I don't really watch much on television, so all I can say is those and The Walking Dead. I did enjoy this year, not as much as previous, but still enjoyable. But the only new show I really watched and 100%, 110% loved was Scream Queens. Yeah, that's and on my I just, list. I, I want to say definitely my top They're pick. doing a season two, which really makes me sad. That is sad. I that's just, really unfortunate. I, I, you know, I just can't think of a way you can do a good season two of that show. So I'm glad season one was funny. <laughs> All right, YouTube junkies. Let's see what What's you got. That? Uh, number six, because I have a weird, you know, weird numbers. Mm-hmm. Might as well do number six. I Zombie. Yep. Uh, which is just, it's just fun to watch. You can't take it too seriously if you start, you know, poking the holes in there. It's just, it's, it's, you know, they do the story and the story doesn't really matter. It's just kind of like, oh, well, what brain is she going to eat this time? Did to you, take did on you the see this week's episode? Uh, no, I have not yet. You need to watch it. It's really good and kind of like starts changing things up a little bit. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, the Muppets. I really enjoyed the Muppets, even though it's like very meta and much like the Office with the Muppets. I still need to see that. Um, I I still really enjoy it. I mean, you can you can put the Muppets in any situation, and I'm on board. Uh, number four, Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, still love the show. Now that they have Martian Manhunter, spoiler alert, in it, uh, it's it's just such a solid, good show. Uh, and then the next one is Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. uh, which was the big breakout of the year. Big, um, I don't know, probably on on, on your list yeah. as well, Victor. Uh, definitely something I'm looking forward to when it comes. Is it out on DVD yet? It came out last week. Okay. Um, interesting to, I'd be interested to see, do you know if there's like any extras or anything like that? Uh, I don't know. I assume so. Uh, then better call Saul. I just loved inside and out and, uh, all the new characters that they introduced and some of the, the previous characters to see them again and, uh, just how they're all relating to each other and, and really where it's going to go and how long it's going to go and how is it going to 
you know, intertwine with, um, with Breaking Bad. And then uh, the tops of the tops is Ash versus Evil Dead, mm-hmm. which is just a, just a wonderful really I just want to say thank you again to Adam. If you didn't know that Adam is one of the most talented and amazing people no, in the stop. world, <laughs> but he especially is gifted in the uh, audiovisual department. He made a super cut of Ash versus Evil oh, I Dead. Had, I knew that. The like, which, first three episodes in, I'm like, this needs to be one. Which continue. me and Victor yeah. were lucky recipients of. Um, with case and uh, insert. I and like how you made the songs flow through. Yeah. Like, like That was probably the most difficult part. Yeah. Because I had to match up two different source materials yeah. and seamlessly mm-hmm. stick It did together. feel naturally, too. Yeah. Between the first part and the second part felt completely natural like that is where it should end. i i mean i have a question about that show which are we can we talk spoilers about that yet or no i don't know i don't i don't see why not i mean i think the story is kind of pretty much no it's just a, a character question that i wondered um so was ruby always possessed or did the deadites take her over at the brujos I, wow, gee, that's, uh, I, that's a good question. I had the same question, actually. Yeah, that's, I really wondered about that. I'm like, you know, because, I mean, you have the whole elaborate sequence with her coming, you know, and it's like, is she being reborn or is it she didn't die because she's a deadite? Because I've seen, because deadites can take damage, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was, like, wondering about. Well, and then I thought maybe she was some part of some, you know, because it's mythical of what, like, order she's a part of. Yeah. Like, she might be, like, the order of demon hunters or something that, you know, I can, we are protected by, you know, God. Yeah, because that's the problem there, because it's like, okay, she could have been, you get the origin of who she is supposedly early on, Mm -hmm. and that's what I was buying into, but then it's like, so it seems to me she becomes a different character after that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, when she starts to reveal herself, but at the same time, too, you you have to keep in mind that she's, most of the time when she seems invincible is when she has the knife. Because mm-hmm. there's even the part in the basement toward the end when she yeah. didn't have the knife in her hand, I mean, she she could get beat up, like she could almost be killed. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that was like some sort of protection when she jumped talisman. into that fire, mm-hmm. you know, like a talisman type thing. Yeah. Maybe? That's just mainly the thing I wondered about, because like, if, whether they're... If she ever was Annie's sister, or if that was all, she's just this. Demon. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. But I wondered if you guys had an opinion on that or no. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty similar. Like I said, I mean, I kind of originally thought it was this kind of holy order thing, and then I, um, or whatever, you know, but then it's kind of like, well, why do you want the book that bad? <laughs> Yeah. Like and then it's kind of like you don't want no one wants the book that bad that's good, um, even before and that's the what reveal. it is like originally it seemed to me that she was trying to stop Ash and then after that it became about her trying to get the book. Yeah, that's why I wondered. It's a good point. Yeah, I just yeah like I said I would only watched the first episode or two episodes before I watched the whole cut, and it's very different. Obviously, like, I felt with the it's very cinematic. Obviously, um, because of the way I'm presented, but I do think. The one thing, because uh, I didn't watch it, obviously, when it was originally debuted, but the whole cabin scene, the lead up to the cabin, literally yeah. walking there, I'm like, how many episodes was this going to go on? You know, because, I mean, you know, if I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. screenwriting or something like that, I'm like, how many episodes would you want to make this? Like, one, 
two, three, four. And it felt, you know, because it felt like, oh, man, what's going to happen in the very end? And the ending, I really was surprised by. That was not yeah. what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Even though the whole Jacksonville thing kind of like you, you builds up like and the development of Ash is more than just obviously the character we've known so far yeah and becomes a little bit dear is he really this selfish and stupid or is he honestly like this tired and sick of this and there's nothing left to do except yeah kind of fuck it <laughs> like i mean that's, that's all there is to say about it like because um, that's why i felt that that's why i like that ended at the cabin for that season was it's like oh it's full circle yeah and it's right. a completely well, to me, also, like, uh, now we can talk about, you know, it's just a really good show. It was a really good show. Yeah. I was also super impressed with the quality of, obviously, of the makeup, the effects. I mean, oh, you can do a lot of things digitally now for cheap, but it just looked really good. And a great supporting cast, too. Yeah. That's another thing I really liked about the show. Great. The supporting cast, like, Bruce Campbell didn't, you know, own every scene. Most of his cast did, and yeah. that was great too. Yeah, so. and if they didn't work, the, mm-hmm. the rest of it wouldn't work. Yeah, so awesome, cool, cool. Well, good list. That's that's all. I, I actually did oh. start watching Eye Zombie, so I'm interested to see. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to get better. No, so uh, yeah, my list. It's like uh, I had Empire on it because it's a terrible show, but it's like very watchable. So it's it's like watching a reality show or something. It's just like. Oh God! This show is so bad. I need to keep watching it. That's like Desperate Housewives. No, oh, I never watched that show. But I'm just saying that's yeah. that's kind of how I imagine it yeah. being, where it sucks you in trash. with all the drama. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. Um, I thought Master of None was really good. That's Aziz Ansari's Netflix show. Um, I Zombie, which almost didn't make my list because I forgot that show started this year. Yeah. It started as a mid-season it's, show. It's already in the second, second season. season. So yeah, really good show. Um, Daredevil. Which also just started this season. And here's the thing I think is really funny. Um, The Netflix Marvel shows are like really good Mm -hmm. as the movies get worse. (laughs) It's a very weird uh, thing that's happening. It's all part of the plan. Yeah. um, Better Call Saul, which as a prequel show to Breaking Bad has no... Didn't have to be as good as it did. I think the the bar was like, oh, I'm sure it's just going to be Saul like... You know, having weekly stupid adventures and turn out to be like <laughs> a really good show. Yeah. You know, I love Bob Odenkirk. He, yes. he deserves all the attention that he's. You'd find I know. Doing. Yeah, honorable mention here: the Mister Show, uh, oh, yeah, not being right, Mister right, Show right, yeah. with um, with Bob and David. Yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. Um, Scream Queens, which again, very good first season. Doesn't need a second season. Not at all. Um. The Jinx, The Lives and Deaths of Robert Durst, which pretty much inspired like Making a Murderer, purchased by Netflix. Um, very good show. Different enough from that show. You should check out both of them. One of HBO's, pro- HBO's probably big coup for the year after how bad True Detective Season 2 ended up being. Um, Jessica Jones. Also very good. The show that I, I, I had a hard time imagining how they could make work and just good casting. Uh, and Mr. Robot, again, this show I was like super hooked on when mm-hmm. it was coming out. And it's just like you could argue it's a lot like Fight Club or any number of things. But the writing is so good on for, for the most part and so is the acting. On the directing. Yes. Yeah. 
you know and then there's like little things i think one of the ep- like the sound the music used throughout the show is mm-hmm. really good there's one episode where they're like actively making fun of hackers and they license the movie so they can when, make fun of it as you know, they watch I, it i think we mentioned it when we when we talked about mr robot before but it's it's probably the best uh, i guess i could say homage to uh um like kubrick yeah that i've seen in in a long time where it's not going oh you know they're doing kubrick again mm-hmm. but he got the tone right i mean it does feel like almost like a clockwork orange in some yeah. parts just the way that the, the stage is set and and kind of the the real contrasting well a lot of stuff. times they say we're living in the golden age of television right now but i think it's true because you're seeing it's more cinematic yeah you're seeing all these like you know people who do like you know very good work on the big screen doing tv now it's not slumming like it used to be right and you're seeing things that like just wouldn't work as movies this i don't think could work as a movie at all no you know and it's really good and my number one pick weirdly enough um man in the high castle it's a very it's a show i didn't i it's like okay i've never heard of this started watching and i'm like this is really interesting and it's an adaptation of a philip k dick book and it's one of those few shows where, like, the season ended and you're like, ah, I need more, you know? It's very interesting. Very good performances from people I don't really see in TV that all that much. Right. Yeah, I still have to catch that. Yet. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my list. The list is done. Yeah. Our no, year we in... We got our best of. The yeah. best of 2015 in film and or television or what passes for television nowadays mm-hmm. i also just want to say seeing king diamond perform abigail live was my top five <laughs> performance of the year <laughs> just want to say that ghost zero records was always fun. ghost zero records is amazing um toxic avenger the musical was incredible there's a lot of good stuff this year that's actually what i that's my uh new year's resolution on cult following is to actually go see more um theater yeah, I've really rekindled my love. Yeah, we saw oh, Evil yeah, so Dead Book, the musical too, and that was, that was Book great. of Mormon. Book of Mormon, yeah, I really want to see from that top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, went and saw Wicked last year's for the second time for me. I love that production. Book of Mormon is funny, 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 crazy funny. Yeah, like yeah, I don't even I couldn't believe how funny it was. Good stuff. The production values were like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did a really nice job in the production. Dude. Well, it was the Broadway cast, yeah. so it was a Broadway production. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Sweet. So, oh. yeah, um, that's it for our first edition of Cult Falling of 2016, episode number 28, which I didn't note earlier. Yeah, that's right. 28, you guys. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, and we're just having a lot of fun this year, you know, and we got we also Cinefantastico, our first spinoff podcast got going this year with adam at the helm will we be seeing more of that in 2016 you think hope so yeah yeah so that'll be fun and uh you know and then we've got a lot of events going on with you know cold classics like i said labyrinth which you know well on its way to selling out before this week is over hackers already sold out killer clowns is probably going to sell out too so you know, get your tickets for those. It's online, coldclassicsaz.com and Z Records when they get them later this week. Let us know your favorites for 2015. Exactly. What you agree with, what you don't agree with. Let's hear some let's Facebook hear some and Twitter us at coldclassicsaz or on coatfalling.co. We like all the conversation we got going with our articles last week, so hopefully we keep that going. 
And uh, yeah, until then, I am Victor Marino along with Adam Rakowski. Me. Yow. And Kirby Nelson. And until then, uh, stay safe. Don't play in the street. And always take candy from strangers. Don't take this. <laughs> no, always. Always, never. <laughs>